0: Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. On today's podcast, I'm joined by Stephen Lee, who's the founder of Sermon Audio, which is a resource I'm really eager to tell your family all about. In addition to founding Sermon Audio, he's also followed the Lord's leading by starting a daily prayer time that has gone on continuously for over two years and has people from all over the world participating in it and praying for revival. I'm eager to talk about that as well. He's even sponsoring some special prayer times at our events in Round Rock and Pigeon Forge that I can't wait to tell you about. So this is going to be a really exciting show. So don't go away. Stephen and I will be right back. Stephen, welcome to the Homeschooling Families podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Can you tell everybody just a little bit about yourself and maybe kind of an overview of what Sermon Audio is for those that may not have heard of you yet?
1: Yes. Well, thank you, Leslie, for having me. I'm very delighted to be here on this podcast. It's a great honor. So, my name is Stephen Lee. I'm the founder of a website called sermonaudio.com. But we started back in the year 2000. This is pre. Facebook, and it's the pre iPhone as well. So we go back quite a ways, and this is when audio streaming audio on the internet was really just starting to be explored. We started out as a burden just to get good preaching out there on the internet. We wanted to help even my own church, local church, small as it was, to get their preaching out there. And I knew that there were other churches, many of them small that just needed to get a a voice on the internet. So that's how it started. And by God's grace, we've been going now for 23 years. But we are currently the largest and most trusted, I should say, library of sermons, both audio and video, on the internet from conservative churches and ministries worldwide. We have over 2 million sermons in our sermon repository, and it can be searched by keyword, topic, speaker, church, book, chapter, verse, all of that. It's a, a repository of sermons as opposed to other media platforms where it's just a big um, a big platform for all kinds of media. But right. we are focused in on sermons because we believe that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Thank you.
0: Amen. Amen. Yeah. It's a, it is a phenomenal resource and it's, it is nice. I I love the way you distinguish the fact that it, you know, there is a trustworthiness there. We know because we know you guys, we know that there is, you know, there is a litmus test for people to be able to be on there. They have got to be solid Bible preaching, you know, trustworthy individuals. And I appreciate you guys being very diligent in that because those of us who just need stuff to listen to can't always run everything down and I appreciate your diligence in that.
1: Well, that is a good point because uh, that that makes us as a result more narrow as as far as the kind of churches that we are able to work with. We have an articles of faith there on the site that churches have to subscribe to and we make yeah. that, we have no bones about that. But it's it's pretty much dealing with churches that are theologically conservative and people can read it for themselves.
0: Yep. Yep. Well, it is a great resource. And another thing that I, I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about today because this is something that was personally impactful for me and my family. And now it's it's incredibly relevant, very exciting. A year, I don't even know how long ago it was, I came across a book that you guys had published called The Case for United Prayer about Maybe a year, year and a half ago, I received that book. I devoured it. It was so, it was so encouraging. It was exciting. We've prayed from the, the conception of Teach Them Diligently that God would use it as a revival movement uh, within families and then that he would build the church through those families and impact communities and so on. And so seeing this focus on prayer for revival that was encapsulated in that book was a great, a great encouragement and challenge to me. And it, it was very, very impactful. I passed it on to my dad, who then found out that you guys have been doing a regular prayer time with people from all over the world. Can you tell us a little bit about this focus that God has given you all on prayer and specifically prayer for revival and awakening around the world?
1: Oh, sure. I'd be happy to do that. So a number of years ago, I came across a little booklet that was written by Jonathan Edwards back in the 1700s and it was a booklet that was simply called an humble attempt and it was an humble attempt to uh, promote agreement among god's people to pray an extraordinary prayer is what he called it uh, for the revival of religion and the advancement of the gospel and the idea of that book was and it wasn't really unique to him but he was able to put it put pen on paper and put it down the idea is that Throughout church history, and also even into the Bible times and the Old Testament times, when God's people came into these seasons of tremendous drought or problems, or the enemy was they were facing an impossible enemy, their practice was consistently. You just go throughout the Bible and go throughout church history. Consistently, their practice was to gather God's people together to pray. Okay. And it's very simple. And we all know that. And we're like, yes, that's right. But what Jonathan Edwards did was he, he recognized that during his day, there was, there was a great decline in the churches. A lot of churches were just emptying out or, or filled with maybe more just older people and not looking very good for the next generation. And he thought it was, it was God's way of telling the church, hey, we need, you all need to start praying and getting serious with this matter of religion by seeking god together and what he called extraordinary prayer and the reason why he called it extraordinary prayer is just that you know you have your ordinary prayers of course no prayer really should be ordinary in in that sense but you have your prayers before meal you have your prayers before church service you have different prayers but he was referring to extended seasons of extraordinary prayer where God's people would gather together and they would be seeking God for extended periods of time. Sometimes it could be an hour, it could be two hours, it could be more, it could be all through the night. And they would do this for agreed times until the answer came. And this is his little booklet. It is largely attributed to him and to the booklet as to how the first great awakening in America came about. And then the second great awakening came a little bit later. But the third great awakening happened in New York City. And that was a whole century later in the 1850s when you had a man called Jeremiah Lamphere who was really just a lay person. And he had the task, the impossible task of evangelizing the lower section of Manhattan. And he said he could spend lifetimes, multiple lifetimes, just going around handing out tracts, which he did. so he was very evangelistic, but he thought it would be a good use of time to set aside time to really just pray and ask God to step in. And so that's what he did. He he established what's now called the Noonday Prayer Meeting, where he canvassed the area and invited people to come join him to pray for that very thing in the same spirit of Jonathan Edwards. And it started with just himself which was followed by another individual. And over time, it grew into this really an amazing thing where there were hundreds of prayer meetings that were packed all throughout New York City every single day at noon. And that is what ushered in the Third Great Awakening because the news of that spread through the news media to other cities and it jumped the pond over to the UK and you had great revival start there as well. And uh, so the motivation of what we've been trying to do stems ultimately from Jonathan Edwards' little book, which we've uh, encapsulated into our book called The Case for United Prayer, and uh, and also the pattern that Jeremiah Lamphere set down with the noonday prayer meeting. So we have been trying to follow in that pattern in the footsteps since they've they've already established a pattern there and we thought it might be a good idea to follow in their footsteps.
0: Yeah, and and one thing that I love about well, there's so much that I love about both what Jonathan Edwards wrote and then I really was moved it just it spurred to action by as I read about the prayer revival that that started in New York in the 1850s. But it was it was so exciting for me being in the ministry that God has given us to families That that was, that was a revival that was sparked just by normal people being on their knees. This was not a celebrity driven or a programmed revival. This was something, this was an authentic movement of God through people who just were pouring out their hearts and giving their lives to him, just day to day people, just everyday people. And it's very encouraging to see and to be reminded that that's where God does so much of his work is within our families, within our homes, within our communities and churches, just using average Joes like me.
1: No, that's absolutely <laughs> that's absolutely a, one of the hallmarks of that particular revival is that, it, in fact, it was also nicknamed the Layman's Revival because it started with lay people. And quite frankly, in those prayer meetings, you did have... Preachers there, and it was noted that there were preachers, but they were not—they were not leading it. Uh, They would participate just like everyone else, but it was led by lay people, and it was very simple, very simple format. Nothing really overly spectacular about it, but there was the thing that that was spectacular about it was the fact that people were drawn to it and couldn't. It it was not—it was anything but a dead prayer meeting. I mean, there was there were conversions. There was a real repentance, there was reconciliation, there was a strong cryings out to God. I mean it was a it was something that we all long for in our churches, but it can't be organized and see, this is the thing that that we just have to understand we can't this is not a formula that can be repeated at will now there is there there are things that the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to seek him so there is there are things that we need to do but it's not going to be because of you know the mood music it's not going to be because of the, the environment or the oratory of a great preacher it's it's completely a sovereign work of god and that's because if any of those elements were to come into play you know what would happen is that some of the glory would go away from god to right the great Preacher, or the great organization, or the you know. So, I think that it's very appropriate that a lot of these moves of God, even in the Old Testament. Let's face it, you know, you had you had God using the nobodies and the nothings and the, the few because He didn't want the glory to go to people. King Asa himself, in his great prayer, said, "It is nothing with Thee, O God, to help whether." with many or with them that have no power. In other words, it doesn't matter to the Lord. He can use one person. He can use a Gideon or a David. He can use a Jeremiah Lamphere who was really a nobody. I mean, he was, he was a layperson. The Lord doesn't need to have all of our vaunted strength.
0: After a short break, we'll be right back to talk even more about this. Yes. And we're, we have such great ideas and (laughs) such. We're, we're in a time now where we can program things so well and so fluidly. And yet that's not generally how God works. God works in ways that are higher and greater than we would ever imagine or conceive. And sometimes those higher and greater plans are actually lower than we would have thought to stoop, i.e., just coming together and praying rather than organizing this great big, massive campaign that we have our fingers all over. It's trusting him to give the increase. And I so appreciate what we can learn from that. But not only was it a work among average people, but uh, just being on their knees, but there was a real expectation. There was an expectation that they would mobilize, that they would go out and tell other people that that there was repentance and change and reconciliation, like you noted. So there was there was that responsibility of as God was working, that that actually changed you and and remodeled kind of how you were walking your daily life.
1: Oh, no, that's, you know, if there's anything about revival, like genuine revival, is that it's not just that you go to a good meeting and you consume it like you consume any kind of entertainment. There's real change brought back to people That does motivate and push them into real action. Real action, meaning there's real reconciliation, steps towards reconciliation, or there's real conversions that are taking place, or there's real restoration from a, from a badly backslidden state. I mean, this is, these are going to be the marks of a genuine work of God. It's not going to be something that we just consume like we do today with so much of everything around us. We just consume and consume. By the way, I do want to note that because we're mentioning the fact that it is it is a, an authentic and a, a spontaneous thing that can't be organized, et cetera, that's not to say that every attempt to, to do things well and in order and organized and professionally, like you're doing here or like we try to do at Sermon Audio is to be frowned on. I mean right. we're to do the very best we can whatsoever thy hand finds to do, do with all thy might to the glory of God. But what it simply means is that we're not putting our trust in our abilities. I mean the Lord is the Lord expects us to to do things excellently. But our trust and our reliance, our faith is being put in the Lord and squarely on the Lord. It's like even with those kings in the old testament. They didn't just sit around and wait for things to happen. I mean, they actually armed themselves. They did things. Now, they were vastly outnumbered, of course, but it's not as if they were just sitting passively waiting for God to do everything. God is going to do the work, but he's going to use his people. So I I just want to make sure that that's clear because it could sound like this, uh, you know, ultra passive Christianity where, you know, we don't. We don't put forward any effort, but there is right. tremendous effort. I mean, even with Jeremiah Lampier, think about him. He actually, in, in that, in his diary, it says that the appropriate, can't remember the exact words, but he, he took steps to promote and to advertise the prayer meeting. He went around yeah. with billboards and he put up signs and things. Now, you know, it, it turned out that he was the only one that showed up that first day. But he he put forward the effort, and that that should be noted.
0: Oh, absolutely! And one of the I, I really appreciate your bringing that up because one of the things that I think it's really important for us to remember is you know I, we talk about this in relation to parenting and discipleship and and things that happen within your home all the time. God uses simple steps of obedience very profoundly too. He is. We have our marching orders. We have our mission and. Things that we may not even look at as being profoundly impactful, having a conversation, sharing our faith just naturally through the way that we're engaging with people in God's hands can be used mightily. And we see that over and over again, especially, you know, in in as we talk within our homes, we see how God uses as we are growing as parents, we're able to then disciple and shepherd and bring our children along. The first step in all of that, though, is walking in obedience and staying close to God and learning and growing yourself so that whatever steps he calls you to take, big, small, whether you deem them, you know, incredibly important or just your next step, God knows how important it is and how he's going to use it. And so you want to live in such a way that is always making you ready to take whatever step of faith God calls you to next.
1: Absolutely. I just feel like that's really important because there there could be groups and classes of Christians that, that take a a little bit too far approach to like say the sovereignty of God, where they they don't feel like they have any responsibility at all. And so we would we would discourage that completely because the Lord gives us very clear instructions, as you mentioned in the raising of our children. Yes, you pray for them, but you also have to do some things as well. Right. And the Lord you know, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. There is a means; it comes by hearing. And how are they going to hear without a preacher? I mean there there are means that God uses, and it's it's His people.
0: Yes, Amen, Amen. And and that's an amazing thing. We should all stand in awe of the fact that God, who could do things any way He wanted to, chooses to use His people, and that is that is such a privilege. And we should, you know, I, I was just reading recently. Just over and over as we see, I I believe it's Ephesians where we talk about to the praise of his glory. Everything that he has done, everything that he is doing is to the praise of his glory. And the fact that we get to walk with him and be part of that is an amazing thing. And I'm so grateful that he does work in and through his people. I wanted to ask you, you know, a lot of times as we see these big movements and we are seeing, you know, we are seeing pockets of revival that In ways that we haven't seen them reported on for a long time. As we are recording this, there is still this stirring of the spirit in at Asbury University. I've heard of other colleges where you're seeing similar things where students are just falling on their knees. And, you know, we have prayed for a very long time that God would get a hold of hearts in this way. And we've also seen just experientially that as we have prayed, we've started to hear other people praying or saying things that are very similar. Clearly, we believe that means that God is at work. We're seeing this pop up in other places. As you are curating these sermons through Sermon Audio, are you all seeing kind of this, this refrain of of revival or hope or, or steps towards, you know, seeing God work in ways, maybe a, a change in conversation, even from the pulpits?
1: Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Asbury because... Uh, yeah i think everybody is at least becoming aware of uh, what is happening there whether we want to call it a revival certainly we are very hopeful i just read a, a an announcement or a, a blog written by the president of asbury seminary uh, who has been attending those meetings now every day morning and night he said and so he's a he's a he's a good authority to be making such statements and and even he was being very measured which i appreciated uh, very measured in and not getting too sensational uh, right. he was extremely encouraged of course but he would he would uh, like to call it more an awakening that's certainly what it is and of course uh, it could be a revival and the lord uh, the lord will make that very very clear but i'll tell you what Whatever one's opinion is of it, because there's plenty of opinions flying around. Whatever one's opinion is of what is happening, it should, at the very minimum, give a red-blooded Christian to be hopeful that God has not completely finished with us yet. Because, I mean, we're praying for revival. We're praying that God will do a great work even in the face of this crazy and insane and corrupt generation we believe he can number 1 and we believe that he will and so i think that personally all of the the bad news and the insanity that you're seeing in the world today is driving god's genuine people more and more towards himself yes that's what i believe i believe that these afflictions are sent or are allowed to be sent into the world and into our nations for the express purpose. I mean, it's the same reason why in the Old Testament, the nations would come and, and overtake Israel and take them away captive and, and them being in bondage. It's the same exact reason is so that God's people would become more awakened to the fact that nothing that we're doing is working Or helping and it almost forces them to cry out to the Lord. And that's, that is often, unfortunately, what we need to have happen because we're so, we're so slow or we have become so distracted by the world that we, that we don't take our Christianity, you know, very seriously. And the Lord, as a loving heavenly father, has to come along and bring these, these insanities into our society, like, The whole thing with the marriage going on now for a while between a man and a woman or transgender or or all of this stuff that's coming out. That is, it's, you wouldn't, you wouldn't believe it if it was told you just even 10 years And yet the Lord is bringing these into our society so that it causes his people to seek him more fervently.
0: Yes. Yes. And he is very good that he is there when we seek him. You know, if we seek him, we will find him. He is not hidden. He has given us all. I mean, he's given us his word. We are able to get in, to know him, to seek him. Uh, He's told us how to approach his throne, how to pray. He's a mediator for us. There are so many amazing things that we can learn about our God as we draw nearer to him. And these, these moments make us, like you noted, draw nearer to him, recognize our need for him more and more. I wanted to ask, you've used two terms and I want to have you kind of flesh those out for us a little bit. You, you've talked about an awakening and a revival. What are kind of, what are some of the different elements of those two things? I'm sure there are, you know, probably one kind of leads into another, but how do those two relate to one another?
1: Well, I'm not going to be any kind of authority on it at all. I just, I just, like to reserve the term revival <laughs> as carefully as I can because uh, it's, it's bandied about so much now in our more of our modern Christianity where people say, we're having a revival meeting and really we're, we're just talking about special meetings. And so I, I like to reserve that word uh, for what, what, what I would you know consider genuine revivals. And in my mind, a genuine revival as far as what we see throughout history involves scale. And something that is, that has a tremendous impact on the surrounding community. And it's, it's, it has a a lasting effect. And so this, this certainly looks like it, but I I believe it just needs a little bit of time for us to. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. This is, this is so. But certainly an awakening is when God's people are awakened to the reality of spiritual things and It's not just sort of this run-of-the-mill. We just go to chapel in and out. We just go to church services on Sundays in and out. And it's just this sort of cultural Christianity. There's we are we are arrested. We're stopped in our tracks. Something comes into our consciousnesses that's different. We become awakened to the fact that God is real, his presence is real, and what I'm doing here alive on this planet is more than just to work my job so that I can make money and to get my stuff and then eventually die. You know, there's, there's just an awareness of the eternal. That's how I would say it. Now, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an authority on it, but I just want to be careful about the term revival. And I'm, I'm happy enough to call it the Asbury revival just because that's the way it's, it's searched now. Yes. Uh, but, yes. Uh, that, but that, that it wouldn't be any big problem to call it that right now, just for the sake of convenience.
0: Well, and but but there is something very powerful in recognizing that the ground we're standing on is holy ground. And this kind of a work of the spirit of whether it be awakening, leading into revival, what, whatever God has in store for us in the days ahead is a holy work by an amazing God. And we are just praying that God will get a hold of of hearts from coast to coast and all around the world and that his church will rise up and really take advantage of this moment as so many people are seeking him much more than i've seen for a long time and a lot of it has to do with the extent of the wickedness and the the overtly you know corrupt society that we find ourselves in it absolutely it it shows the line between god's people and and not god's people so much more clearly and in a lot of ways that is a huge blessing We've talked to our kids about this a lot. You know, when I was growing up in South Carolina, everybody was a Christian. That's just, you just were a Christian and it was really hard to meet anybody who wasn't because you go to church. That's, it's so cultural when I was growing up. And even with them growing up in South Carolina, that is not quite the same. And so they, they are, their position as a believer is much more distinct, even than it was, you know, trying to, to live in a, you know, we, we didn't talk about bad things when I was younger. It was just a different, it was, everything is so out there now that there is a very clear line. And that that's a blessing for those of us who are trying to make an impact and trying to be distinct, be holy as he is holy so that God can draw people to us so that we have an opportunity to tell them.
1: Well, that's, I couldn't agree more. And I, I certainly hope that with a renewed attention being brought to revival, and uh, this uh, situation in Asbury, I certainly hope that it's not just more news that people are curious about and, and are consuming, but that it will create real soul thirst in their heart, and whoever's heart is listening to this podcast, and in the churches. This is not supposed to be an isolated thing just for a group of people in a specific geography. This the outpouring of God's spirit and the blessing that, that comes from that is not something that we're supposed to just enjoy, like I say, in an isolated way, or just to consume it upon our lust in the sense that, well, that was great. It was a feel-good service. And like like we would enjoy maybe any anything else, like a good concert. This yeah. is meant to do something. And it is ultimately meant to glorify God in a big way so that his name is made great in the earth. But it's meant to change God's people, revive God's people, or awaken them sufficiently so that they they are the hands and feet that go out with new power and new boldness to share Christ with everybody. I mean, the early church, when they gathered together for prayer, It wasn't just a prayer meeting to go through a list of needs, I guarantee you, because the last thing Christ told his disciples was that, wait in Jerusalem, tarry in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. And so I assure you that when they were gathering there in the upper room in that prayer meeting, they were praying for that very thing. Lord, you promised to endue us with power from on high, the Holy Spirit. And the answer came, and the result of which wasn't just, oh, this feels great, but the result of which was a group of timid disciples that were sort of locked up in that room. They blew open the doors, and they went out there, and the people couldn't believe it was the same people. They were like, what happened to these men? These are unlearned and ignorant men. And so what happened to them is that they were filled with the power of God. And that's what we're praying for.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, we are getting low on time, but I want you to be able to tell everyone about Sermon Audio and how, how you guys have a platform there that really is so enriching and, and has so much amazing content to strengthen and focus families like are listening to our show in on the, the good news of the gospel, good teaching, and that sort of thing. Tell us a little bit about Sermon Audio.
1: Okay, I will. And I'll, I'll try to be efficient. But basically, Acts chapter 6, verse 4, the apostles say, we will give ourselves continually to prayer, but it also says to the ministry of the word. Now, the word of God is so important that God put his word above his very name. And So we're all about preaching because God uses the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so we believe that there needs to be a place where people can hear great preaching, not just from one church, not just from a few popular ministers, but from any faithful Bible believing minister of the gospel. And that's what sermon audio is. It's a library of great preaching so that if you are going through your bible and you're looking at a passage and you type in some passage even an, an obscure one you can hear great preaching great preaching from all over the world on those passages so we have we put a big premium on the preached word cuz i believe the bible does as well
0: that is fantastic and and it's it will put a link in the show notes to make sure everyone can find it but but just to make sure that you can hear it and know, you can go to SermonAudio.com. And that's where you will find all of these amazing resources. You can actually get information on your, your noontime prayer calls, I believe, is there. There's um, information on what's going on there. You can find the book that we alluded to at the beginning of the podcast. And then I want you to tell us really quickly before we go, what are you guys planning to do at Teach Them Diligently? to try to help encourage our families to get involved in this ministry, but also to give them ideas about how they can take these, these ideas and put them to use within their own families and communities.
1: Okay. Well, I had a conversation with David Nunnery a while back, and uh, he got wind of our prayer meeting, and he thought, I wonder if, if there's a way that this could be introduced or incorporated in some way into the homeschooling conference that, that you all run. And so it's a little bit of an experiment. We're not sure how this is gonna all work out, but the idea is very simple. We want to introduce corporate prayer into the the bloodstream of homeschooling families. Maybe maybe they already do that. But our experience, sadly, is that even churches have begun abandoning the corporate prayer meeting. And so usually, when people come together to pray, they almost don't know how to pray together, and it's it's usually a very, uh, if I can say it kindly, a very shallow experience. Yeah. But we would like, by God's help, to reintroduce a corporate group of God's people praying together for the for the biggest things that you can pray for. You know that like I said that his glory will cover the earth like the waters cover the sea that every nation Christ will be present there will be reached the gospel will go into every place Matthew 24:14 says that this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations and then the end shall come those are some big things that the church corporately should be praying for and we we simply want to introduce a time of corporate prayer on these big themes for for those homeschooling families because the homeschooling families, though it seems like a, a small and humble thing, it's just my family you know well, don't have such a small and faithless view of your family. I mean you could be raising the next George Whitfield or, or or a missionary that goes into these lands and there needs to be a lot of prayer. It's not going to happen by accident. It's going to be because God's people are praying for it.
0: Amen. Amen. And and the multiplication that takes place just within our families. I mean, David and I have talked so often. We have been given the privilege within our home to multiply, pass on our faith times four. And then the multiplication of what those four can do and on out. It is a massive thing. And God's plan for families is so wise and so good. And we're so grateful to be able to watch him work in families all across the country. So we look forward to having you guys with us. And I'm so grateful to have this time of corporate prayer and this focus on corporate prayer coming to teach them diligently. I think it'll be incredibly impactful.
1: I hope so too. I hope so too. And I really appreciate the step of faith that uh, you all are taking with us on this.
0: Well, Stephen, thank you so, so much for joining us today. It is, it's been a joy to talk about to talk about all of this, to talk about how God is working, to talk about how God uses his people in ways that we may not expect and to talk about the power of prayer and preaching and so much. So thank you for joining me today. It
1: was my pleasure. Thank you.
0: You're very welcome. To everyone else, thank you all for hanging out with us today. I am sure that this has given you much to think about. And I pray that a lot of what you have heard today will will prick your heart, prick your spirit, make you get in God's Word. See what He says about coming before Him, about corporate prayer, about reviving our hearts, about His Word going out across all the earth. Then I encourage you, go to sermonaudio.com, take advantage of the preaching and the resources that they have there. Plan to join us at Teach Them Diligently and come together. We're going to talk about corporate prayer. We're going to practice it. And then look at how you can take this idea back and really start pockets of prayer meetings like this right where you are. So join us there. Have a great rest of your day. And I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more, so check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network that got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more.